Our praise team makes it a little easy to worship, don't they? Are you just saying that because I said that? You didn't sound very excited. Scott was the only one. Our praise team's awesome, aren't they? Oh, my gosh. I had the opportunity to spend a week this past week in a beautiful place with close friends doing my favorite thing in all the world, surfing. And halfway through the week, I got bacterial conjunctivitis in my right eye. Imagine being in paradise and not being able to see. Have you ever gotten out of a hot shower, maybe in the wintertime, and you, you can't see anything in that mirror when you look in the mirror when you get out of the shower? But Ashley's always so sweet. She comes by and puts a little smiley face on there and says, I love you or whatever. So the only thing you can see is great. That's what my paradise looked like. You've got one good eye, one bad eye, and you can't really tell. It's frustrating. It's aggravating. It feels like your hands are tied, like I can't do anything. 1 Corinthians 13, 12, and this is not going to be on the screen, so just bear with me. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. Today, we're in a series called Heaven. We're trying to answer more important questions. In the last couple of weeks, a couple of questions were, is heaven real? There's 500 verses in the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, that say, yes, Jesus talked about heaven. Heaven is absolutely real. Here's another one. What's heaven like? That's a great question. And we unpacked that last week. Today, what am I going to do in heaven? What are we going to do in heaven? How many times have you seen Bugs Bunny back in the day with the little guy floating on the cloud with the harp in his hand? You never see anything like that in Scripture, but that is somehow, maybe because I grew up in a boring church with boring people and you know, you sit there and go, oh my gosh, the game's on in 30 minutes and this guy will not shut his face, right? I'm looking at my watch or I'm looking at my stocks going, I got to get out of here. And Church is the boring place to go, but work in Mexico is the fun place to go. We sometimes look at heaven that way. Heaven is the boring place to go. So ACDC writes songs about going the other place, because at least my friends are going to be there, and it's going to be cool and fun. God is cool and fun. God is awesome. God loves you and me, and he made a place called heaven for you and me. And that is not to be underestimated. And there's something that we lose passion while we're here about because we have a blurred vision of what heaven's like. One of my eyes is not working. I've got to go to the doctor and get drops. So that's exactly what I had to do. Thursday, I go to the doctor. I get my prescription. I put it in. God gives us his word, and he tells us all about, gives us hints from the Old Testament to the New about what heaven's going to be like. There was a board attorney waiting for his plane, and he saw a woman reading a book. And he said, I'm going to see if I can play a game. She's a blonde. She probably won't get it, and I'll win. You blondes, bear with me. 
Huh? It's a lifestyle, yes. This is being recorded this time, so I'm going to watch myself. He walks over to her and he says, we're going to play a game. We ask each other questions. Whoever gets it wrong gives the other person $5. She says, I'm really into this book. I don't want to play that game. And he says, listen, I need you to play this game with me. You get it wrong, you give me $5. I get it wrong, I give you $500. She sets the books down and says, okay, let's do this. First question, what country neighbors Uzbekistan? She pulls her wallet out, gives them $5. Here comes her question. What has 12 legs at birth and loses one every time it rains? He calls a friend. He calls everybody he knows. He looks on the internet. She lets him do all of this, and he comes up with nothing and says, I got nothing. Here's $500. Then he asks her, I've got to know, what was the answer? She gives him $5. (laughs) Who says blondes don't have more fun? I think since maybe all of us have found ourselves bored or with a wrong picture of spiritual things on earth, heaven's supposed to look the way we see things spiritually on earth. The truth is, ignorance and boredom can get us in trouble. It can give you a wrong perspective and motivation on why you live the way you live. If I don't have any hope that heaven's going to be great when God tells me it is, why do I look forward to anything? He gives us glimpses all the time. So we want to unpack that a little bit in Revelation chapter 22, if you have your Bibles tonight. When it comes to the subject of eternity, heaven... In heaven, with God, I think lots of people get it wrong. Thinking, I don't know what I'm going to do. I think this might get a little monotonous. I don't know how to play a harp. If I did, I don't really want to. So if you would stand as we read Revelation 22, and we're going to read verses 1 through 7. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life. Bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. Fruit of the month club. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. And they will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. And he said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. You may be seated. May God bless the reading of his word. The last two chapters of the Bible speak of the eternal state, how things are going to be. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth in chapter 21. All the people that rejected Christ in chapter 20 
they're going to be on that throne of judgment. We're going to be held accountable. Then the second death, the lake of fire. The things that we don't want to talk about, but Scripture talks about. Hell is real. So everything is completed by now when we get to this passage. Revelation 21, the eternal state. Nobody else is being born. Everybody's already saved that's going to be saved. God's family is complete. And God creates a new heaven and earth, and it's awesome. So the question comes in, what do we do when we get there? I would say, number one, we're going to serve the Lord. We're first going to serve the Lord. Verse 3 says, No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. The New King James Version says, His servants will serve him. We have people here that teach. They're serving when they teach. When you volunteer to paint, you are painting in the name of Jesus Christ. What is that? It's a little four-letter word that people on this earth use all the time, and it's called work. We don't like to use that, but that's what God made us for, to work and to serve. This is why we have greeters and people that make coffee and Charles who's running sound and the list goes on about why we announced at the very beginning of this service how awesome you are. God made you to do, and out of obedience you are doing what he asked. It is incredible to be in life group when Randy is teaching because he's been gifted to do what God gave him the gift to do. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, what happens? People learn. That is how God's economy in heaven will be. We will not stop serving. We will not stop working. We will greet. We will serve. We will have a job. Work is a good thing. We think work is a bad thing. We spend all of our life trying to retire early. And even General Electric runs a study And 80% of the people in that study that retired early were dead before the others quit working. We were not made to take six days off and work one day. We were made to work six days and take one day of rest. Work is not a bad thing. It's a calling, but we think it's about money, so we worship the things that it can give us. Heaven is going to be glorious. We are going to do the things that we are gifted And we're going to do it together. Just like we see, we get to do here. These are little glimpses of heaven when we get to paint together. Little glimpses of heaven when we get to serve together. When we build that stupid pavilion and get out of the rain for $55,000 because that's what we got in the bank and we do it together. And we see this is where we started. The unreachable. Faith comes in and says, God works in me to will and to act according to his good pleasure. Not my desires for wanting something that I think he might want me to have. And then we throw our opinions out and go, I want to do this and I want to do In heaven, it's going to be a joint worship ceremony with our work, with our service. And that's awesome. And he gives us glimpses of it while we're here. Genesis 2, 15 says, And the Lord God took the man and put, it, and put him 
into the Garden of Eden to cultivate and keep it, right? This is before sin came into the world. The next passage, next chapter, chapter 3 says in verse 19, By the sweat of your face you will eat bread. Sin entered into the picture. Women are struggling in childbirth now. Now weeds are popping up in the garden that was growing perfectly, that was being cultivated before. Now we've got trouble. Now I have to sweat to pay my bills. Now I have to worry where before I allowed sin in, I didn't. Adam brought sin into the world, and it says, By the sweat of your face you will eat bread. It wasn't easy to cultivate. Now, for you and I, it's not easy all the time to cultivate. That's okay. Keep cultivating. I have found that the more I cultivate with what God has asked me to cultivate, I don't have to worry about the results or what else is going on because I have made my decisions pleasing to my Savior because I made Him my Savior. He owns me. I was bought with that price. Work is not a bad thing, it's a good thing. So I surrender my work to him, knowing that sweat will not last forever. When we get to heaven, no more weeds, no more pain, no more blindness. I will be able to see clearly what I can't see clearly now. Work is a good thing. Work is a God thing. God is a worker. John 5, 17, but Jesus answered them, my father is working until now I am working. Jesus did not spend three years going to church and teaching people and then going, this is a pain, and going back home. He spent time with disciples. He went to people's houses. He was basically homeless, working everywhere he went. He turned water into wine. He multiplied the fishes and loaves. Constantly he was working. God in Scripture, says in Genesis, chapter 1, right out of the gate, six days the Lord created the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that's in them, and then on the seventh day he rested. What I found amazing, and what you'll find amazing, is Jesus always set the example for us of what he asked us to do. He asked us to get baptized. Why do we argue with that? If it's important enough to Jesus, it's important enough to me. I should do it because he asked me to do it. Why do we give? I get to give because there are resources that God poured out. And if he owns a cattle on a thousand hills, what am I worried about? God is good. Just do it. If Nike can put the phrase out there, just do it, why can Christians not do it when the God of the universe tells us to just do it? I'd rather win a race and get a trophy in man's eyes than please the God of the universe. Isaac Newton believed that God just came in and created the world and wound it up like a clock and then stood back and let it go. And many of us believe that that's what happened, but I tell you that he is in it. His Holy Spirit is in this place tonight. He can hear seven and a half billion prayers at one time. <laughs> I cannot fathom God, but I want to put him in my box. I, if I can't fathom what I see him do, miraculous things here, healing and moving and working, 
And if you know him, you know that you've seen him do these things. Because he's a good God and he wants you to see the miraculous. He wants to participate with you in your walk. He wants you to be an active participant in your own life. So that what? You can see him and know him and be glorified. That he be glorified. He didn't just wind the clock up and sit back and go, that's a bunch of crap. Well, it'll be over soon, and then I'll take over. He's in it. He didn't do that. He created you, and he rested. And he says, you guys do the same thing. It's a good thing, and God is good. Work will be a joyous thing. The work in heaven, don't get it confused with what we do here, because many people, we just have jobs we don't like. I actually said this, and I didn't mean it, but... We all have callings, right? I love tongue-in-cheek stuff, by the way. Don't confuse with what you're going to do because I hate my job. It's going to be horrible for you to hate your job for all eternity, right? There's a show called Dirty Jobs. You ever heard of it? Deodorant sniffers and pig slop. You know, why would I want to do that? I actually worked for a little bit doing hot tar roofing. And that's a hard job. And if I had to think while I was on that roof, I want to do this for eternity, I was able to talk myself out of the conversation because there's not going to be any leaky roofs in eternity. (laughs) Right? There's probably going to be something else that I can pull off. Sweat comes from the curse, so the jobs are going to look different. Maybe we're going to get to pour some gold. Jesus said to them in John 4, 34, My food is to do the will of him who sent me to accomplish whose work? His work. My food, literally. That was his nourishment. And I found that when I do the jobs that he has asked me to do here, and it's fulfilling. The money has nothing to do with it. I look forward to the work because it's not work. It's service. It's the gift that he gives us to give back to him. I made you this way. Do it. Heaven is going to be like that, literally feeding your soul. I don't know completely, but I do know the scripture says in, number, in verse 5, in chapter 22 again, Night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. You and I are going to be the princes and princesses of heaven, ruling and reigning forevermore. What does that look like specifically? I don't think we have to know. But the fact that there's a job involved and we are being prepared for it now is pretty encouraging. It's pretty exciting. I think I could handle doing that. Children of the King. I believe it's going to be exciting, it's going to be joyous, and it's going to be a calling that he's already made you for. Second thing we need to look at, another aspect, I guess, of what we're going to do in heaven is we will rest in the Lord. We worked six days, rested one, right? Revelation 14, 13 says, And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Write this, 
Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds follow them. He honors our deeds. He honors your work. He pulls back. Sometimes things come in phases, and you got too much to do, and you go, I can't take this anymore. I imagine David must have felt that way. We have rest in heaven. We rest in the Lord. It doesn't mean we sleep the whole time we're in heaven. There's a peace that you're going to have, that everything is okay all the time, and that your work is a fulfillment and part of your worship. We have rest in heaven. Matthew 11, 28 through 29, Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. And learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. The Lord is interested in rest. Some of you might be exhausted. You might be thinking even right now of what I can't keep up with. There have been periods in our life where it was insatiable. There's no end to what I have to worry about. No end to what we have to worry about. In heaven, there's going to be no end to what you don't have to worry about. That's pretty awesome. What do we have to worry about when we're in the presence of the God of the universe who gives us rest? Exodus 20, 9 and 10 says, Six days you will labor and do all your work, but the seventh is a Sabbath of the Lord your God, and in it you shall do no, do no work. In it you shall rest. The word Sabbath means rest. But we, we've gone from being having businesses closed to everything's got to be open. Everything has to be an opportunity. We have said that money is more important than whatever. Do you have to rest on this certain day? Not necessarily. You can go to heaven and be a professional football player, right? You can work on Sunday and sometimes go in phases. But what I find ironic is in the Ten Commandments, when we read the Ten Commandments... Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not... Right? 98 words were written in the Ten Commandments for number four about the Sabbath and its rest. It's because it's not easy for us to understand. It's not easy for us to grasp. I can't shut off. Even the ancient Israelites struggled with this. You and I will too until we get to heaven. Now, don't think of this like an eternal quiet time, like nap time. <laughs> like we're going to get up there and float on a harp. It's not that kind of a rest. It's contentment. This speaks in terms of peace. No fear. No stress. No turmoil. No brokenness. No heartache. Rest. Adam and Eve, when they were in the Garden of Eden, in a perfect place with, where they were perfect people had perfect rest. They never got tired. We know they ate. Praise the Lord. We're going to eat. I believe that. <laughs> I believe we're going to surf too. Lord, I'm praying that we get to surf and I can worship you doing that. There's a little thing called the marriage supper of the Lamb. And you don't want to miss that. It's going to be awesome. There's a tree of life bearing 12 kinds of fruit in the Fruit of the Month Club. Different fruit 
Every month, we look forward. It's February. We get this fruit. It's March. We get this fruit. Randy Alcorn wrote a book that I read recently, Heaven. He says he believes that we're going to get to sleep in heaven. Not because our bodies are imperfect. It's just natural course. Like God designed us to get to sleep. Have you ever had a really hard day's work and it felt so good to get off your feet or it just felt so good to turn it off and be able to sleep? It's a reward in itself. Eating, a reward in itself sometimes. You just wake up. He believes that will happen. I don't know for sure, but if we do, we're going to have to sleep with the lights on according to this passage of Scripture because God's magnificent light is going to replace the sun. We're not going to have to worry. So what do we do in heaven? We serve our work. We rest and we enjoy the Lord. We're going to enjoy the Lord. What is heaven in a nutshell? Psalm 1611 says, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. The Westminster Shorter Catechism says, Catechism says this, What is the chief aim of man? The chief aim of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. To glorify God and enjoy him forever. How do we do that? With our service and our work. John 17, 4 says, I glorified you on earth having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. Jesus didn't sit still. He walked in obedience and did what God asked him to do. He gave us the perfect picture of what we should do and how we should relate to God. I think we think the same old nothing to look forward to, no excitement. We need to get that out of our minds. I got here at 4 o'clock and it's almost 7 and I'm tired and I just want to go home and watch TV. We were not made to be consumers. Satan has come to steal, to kill and destroy, so he makes us want to be consumers. Whether we're in church or at work or at home, we want to consume. What you got for me? God says what you got for me. And that's always a job. It's hard to sit in a church service for three hours, so let's say you were there from four to seven. What if I had to sit there for... Oh, I don't know, 400,000 years. I don't know if I want to go to heaven. i got to go to the bathroom. You look at the ministry of Christ in just this little three-year time frame at what he did. He would teach. He would go to Zacchaeus' home. Get out of the tree. We're going to your house, and we're going to eat. It's not just sitting up in heaven listening to someone preach to you all day long. Having your quiet time. How many times do you... i got to go home and spend time with the Lord. The Bible tells us, pray continuously. Be joyful always. And he will guide you in where you are. Life happens out here, not in your bedroom. Instruction might happen in your bedroom for a short period of time. Jesus would get alone without everybody else. But when everybody else was up, who was he with? Everybody else. That is where ministry happened. That is where we 
infect our world with the greatest news ever, the gospel news that Jesus Christ loved you so much. And if he changed you, he wants to change the world around you. He wants to draw them to him. And we get in the way because of we don't come out of that tree. Look at the fullness of his glory. People haven't experienced that before. Moses in Exodus 34. He says, Lord, just let me see you. Let me see your glory. I'll show you the back of my glory, but you can't see the front. He hides in a cleft of the rock, goes by him. Moses couldn't see his face because he would have died. And in verse 34, 6, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. That is our God. Moses only saw the back. We're going to see face to face. You know, when the angels are around the throne of God in Isaiah 6, the, the, uh, they've got six sets of wings and two cover their face. And I heard a preacher or a theologian say that every 10,000 years they'll just peek and then put their wings back and that'll hold them for another 10,000 years. True or not, God is awesome. And Revelation 22 and verse 4 says they will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. All the fullness of his glory we will be able to experience. We will also experience the fullness of his joy. We live for joy. What do I have to do to get away from work so that I can go have some joy? We get an inkling when we read the story of the prodigal son who's eating after the pigs. The leftovers that the pigs were eating, he comes to his senses like many of us in this room have done and said, Lord, forgive me. And he goes back home and when the father sees him coming, he doesn't say, all right, what we got in the fridge? We have some chicken wings, I think, left over from Fusakli's the other day. No. He says, you know that fatted calf that we've been chucking full for a while to save for a special occasion? That special occasion has come. Every time someone gives their life to Christ, the angels in heaven are rejoicing. And I'm crying. <laughs> Whatever it is. It's an overwhelming emotion of joy to know that the God of the universe loves you and me so much that he calls us to do his work and participate with us in his. There's mercy. That no matter how bad and how far we go away, he's right there. And we're one step away from forgiveness. One prayer away, it shows us that God loves us, and God loves parties, and I love parties. So we need to have some more parties, and light some more lights, and celebrate one another as we Amen. party our way to heaven. God is not a mad God. 
He's not a sad God. He's glad. And we can enter into his joy. I heard of a guy who was a really good basketball player. He's like 80 years old now. His body's broken up and he always liked pickup games. And I asked him, would you like to play basketball again? He said, heck yeah. I think in heaven there's going to be pickup basketball. <laughs> I wouldn't doubt it. It'd be cool to have Jesus on your team. You could whip everybody. I think there's some fullness of joy that we have we can't even touch on. Imagine the f- best day of your life. Maybe it's your wedding. Maybe you were surfing in Mexico or doing something that you love to absolutely do more than anything else. It's a glimmer of the basis of the joy that Jesus Christ, that God wants you to experience and that we will experience in eternity. We experience the fullness of his joy and get to experience the fullness of his family. Matthew 8.11 says, I tell you, many will come from the east and west and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. We're going to get to talk to David and Moses and Elijah and Elisha and ask them those crazy questions that have been sitting in the back of your head for so long. Joseph, what made you do the right things? What made you... How interesting would it be to talk to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? How good is it going to be to see my dad again? This is why it's so important that if we believe in heaven, And that we're going there because we were bought with a price. And we know that there are others kind of in the back of our mind that are there. We have so much to look forward to, but we don't think about those things. It's why we get here right in the first place. It's what dictates what we're going to do and how we serve and who we're going to be with when we get there. I'm like, I should see everyone in this room when I get to heaven. When I get there. That's going to be pretty cool. Are we going to know one another? Yes. I'm going to see Kevin Collier's face. Encouraging and giving hugs in heaven. Think of people you love. Now think of people you love that don't know Christ. changes things, doesn't it? If it doesn't, maybe you're not going. The Lamb's Book of Life has names in it, and I can promise you that mine's in there. Now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, and then I shall know fully. Even as I have been fully known, we will know one another. I'm going to ask the band to come up, and I'm going to wrap up with reading a few passages of Scripture, one that's very dear to my heart. 
John 14, 2 says, In my Father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go, Jesus said, to prepare a place for you. If it's not so, he wouldn't have said it was so. We talk about mansions in glory, but literally what this passage is saying, there are many dwelling places. The word mansions is not completely accurate. You're going to have a dwelling place, and it's not down the street from the Lord. It's like an apartment. A place where we're going to see each other. Where we're going to be together. Where you're going to be fulfilling God's purposes together. There's room, the Bible says, in that house for all of us. The question is, are you ready to go? And is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? Revelation 22, verse 7 says, And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Are you ready? Are you excited? Jesus said, Behold, I'm coming quickly. In verse 12, I'm coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one what he has done. It's easier to talk about all the love, and it's not easy to, to think that there's another option. It's also not easy to recognize what Jesus said is true, that the wider road which most people are on is not this one. It's the one that leads to destruction. You want to know that you know that you know that you're ready. Verse 20 says, He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Three times in the last chapter of the Bible, the Lord says, I'm coming quickly. I'm coming soon. I'm coming quickly. I'm coming soon. John was excited. There are many people I know that were not planning for him to come quickly for them. The great theologian Robert Plant once said, there's still time to change the road you're on. And the God of the universe said, that's not necessarily true. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. He didn't come into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. The world, as everyone in the world might be saved. So does salvation depend on us or him? When the Holy Spirit speaks to you and gives you an invitation that you say no to, heart just becomes harder and harder and harder. We lose a glimpse of heaven. It becomes some distant thing that we make up or we just believe that's on TV. And let me tell you something. They're making up more stuff to put on TV to make you more and more confused. Right? At this time, I'm going to pray. We're going to stand. As a matter of fact, you can go ahead and stand right now.
We're going to worship, just sing through a song. But I want you to take this opportunity to ask yourself, am I right? Am I ready to go? Maybe you just want prayer for something. I'm going to be down here in front. Jared's going to come down front. If you just need prayer for something, we'll be down here. If you want to know how you can know that you know that you know, please come talk to us. Lord, we thank you for making heaven for us. And we thank you for making us for your glory. And we don't want to take that lightly. We don't just hold on to the hope of heaven. We hold on to the hope that you made us for heaven. And that we know that we know that we know that through Jesus, you say that no one comes to the Father but by me. And that if we confess with our mouth and, and believe in our hearts that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. Lord, if there's anyone here right now that's struggling with that, help them to shore that up. That they can know before they leave tonight that they are spending heaven with the rest of us whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Lord, we thank you for your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.